you know, when they turn the printers back on again or more. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, there, there's a mathematical equation involved in this, you know, it's that law of, of uh, compounding interest, you know, and how things grow exponentially at the end. And so there will come a time again where the Fed will revert back to this. And there will come a time again where the next QE program gets turned on. And it's going to be 50% larger than the last one or whatever. And that, that will be the time when even, even in this current pricing scheme, uh, re, you know, rational human beings and hedge fund managers and everybody else are going, yep, got to get some gold. Welcome to Gold Silver Pros, where you'll learn the ins and outs of the gold and silver markets. Searching for the best precious metals deal? Our affiliates are of the utmost trust, quality, and highest customer service in the industry. Shop with our trusted partner, Arc Silver. Access special deals on silver, gold, and platinum through our website or call 307-264-9441. Hey everybody, this is Rob Keens of GoldSilverPros.com. I put together a special roundtable of my friends in the gold and silver industry. We're joined by my good friend Chris Marcus of Arcadia Economics, Craig Hemke of TF Metals, and the veteran of the group, Dave Pranzler of Investment Research Dynamics. How that's, are you guys doing this, is, this morning? It's a nice way to say I'm the I'm the old man in the group. <laughs> I didn't use those terms, Dave. Yeah, but it's what it's what's implied if you read between the lines. <laughs> well, it's since okay. you're the oldest, I'm, let's have you I'm go acceptance, first. I'm in the acceptance of turning sixty next month. Are you that's really? Why, that's why you've got the biggest silver coin behind you. <laughs> wow. Okay. So is this all the silver you built up and you? Did you have it melted into like a giant Chinese panda, colorized panda? <laughs> um, I wish. It'd be nice to have a, a colorized silver panda that size. It reminds me of watching like Turner Classic movies and you see the old Casablanca, but they've colorized it now. I don't like to. I like it in black and white. I do too. All right, so we're here to talk about the markets. And the reason I, I called you guys together because I, I, I trust your viewpoint. And it seems to me like there's a lot of confusion. It's why isn't gold and silver up? <clears throat> why is there such apathy? Why does everything seem to be sort of crashing around the world and why all the negative news? And I'm trying to make sense of it. And I, I wanted your guys' help, honestly. So Dave, I'll start off with you since you are, you know, the veteran of the group and, and the wise the old wise man. old sage, <laughs> the maven. <laughs> What's your view? What's going on? I mean, you know, top me off the ledge. Why shouldn't I be selling my gold and silver right now? I mean, <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's, what's your... oh, that was that was freaking convincing, Dave. <laughs> Honestly, I I don't have people asking me that question because <laughs> I don't know people. Pe well. Depends on what gold and silver you're talking about. You know, if you own GLD, you, you know, I would sell it and I would buy physical gold or, you know, you buy physical silver with it. So, uh, you know, part of the problem is, is, is what most people are talking about when they're talking about gold and silver are the prices they observe either on Kitco or, um, you know, the websites that reference the Kitco price of gold and silver. Mm -hmm. Or like I watch the gold futures, gold and silver futures all day long. And that's 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 the paper market. The Kitco price mm -hmm. is is actually the way it's derived is it's it's actually it takes the um, latest London price fix for gold and silver. And then it implies a real time price for 
physical gold and silver using a formula that is derived from the LBMA forward market, the forward curve, and the and the COMEX um, futures curve. So mm -hmm. it's not even really a spot price either. So right. it, what people are talking about when they you know and they get upset, and I get upset too when I see gold and silver bouncing around like a, a, a heart patient on a heart monitor on on uh, amphetamines is there you know they're talking about the paper market so and and it you know for for you know long periods of time since I've been involved in the sector the last 21 years there's long periods of time where where the paper market is the tail wagging the dog on the physical market and then there's certain periods where the physical market, starts to take over and it makes it hard to push around the price of gold and silver using derivatives using paper so i think i think that period of time where they're able to um manage the price of gold and silver using derivatives i think that's starting to wind down a little bit and i think we're going to see there's going to be pressure from beneath the the mirage of 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 um paper gold and silver there's going to be pressure from the physical market that starts to push it higher so um i mean when you see you know so let's just take last night for example you know at, at the turn of midnight new york time gold was up at 1796 and this is the december futures basis and most people woke up and they saw oh no kitco shows gold at 1774 it's down 22 bucks from when I went to bed and no, um, that's, there, there wasn't like actual physical gold being sold that pushed the price down. This was all in the paper market. So mm -hmm. I, I think people need to kind of differentiate why they might be buying mining stocks, which has a, you know, a, a speculative, you know, Hey, I'm looking for a high rate of return on my investment element to it. Mm -hmm. And why you would buy gold and silver, specifically physical gold and silver, you're buying physical gold and silver as a hedge against, you know, all the bad news and that's out there and, and all the mistakes governments and central banks are doing in, in managing the, the system. So, um, and, that, you know, I don't, I don't know anyone who could look at what's going on right now and say, hey, you know, the guys, the guys leading us are doing a great job. In fact, um, you know, with all the data that I look at, we're going into a deep, deep depression. Like, I think what's going to hit us is going to be worse than 2008. And will the price of gold and silver go down temporarily from where it is now when the, when the markets start to collapse again? Yeah, they might, but at some point they're going to go a lot higher and it's, it's going to be coming from the physical market. So Chris, you and I have had a bunch of conversations about where we are in silver lately so i want to kind of ask you uh, a sentiment or a conviction question from your standpoint i know you've been leading the way for silver for a long time i certainly have developed a big following and and for obvious reasons do you still feel the same sentiment towards silver in terms of are you still there and thinking that that market eventually is going to reach some level of sanity and people will be rewarded for believing in it has this shaken you any at all? Has it caused you to reevaluate your stance on that? Or how do you feel about the silver market now, having been in it for so long and, and seeing what's going on now? Well, it's a good question. And certainly I've 
I've been reevaluating certain things because one of the main reasons we were looking to silver is in because of the inflation concern. And mm-hmm. now we're getting the 10%, 9% CPI and PPI prints. And, you know, because the Fed's raising interest rates, we've seen the paper silver price get clobbered. Perhaps it's made me reevaluate my timeline mm-hmm. and uh, really the role of silver where, you know, once you hit really a break point and some of the things that are going on, perhaps that's when silver really does play its role. I mean, we've seen gold hang in there. It's still not far off the all-time highs, not too far off of $2,000 an ounce. Yet, when you look at what's going on in the world, I think people see that there's bad news out there. And, you know, you have things going on in Russia and Ukraine. And for a while, they had that temporary gold backing, yet it goes away for a while. And life carries on. Similar, you know, the Fed's raising interest rates. And we haven't had an overt meltdown. I'm surprised to see the stock market, even mortgage rates are coming in as the feds raising 75 basis points at a hike and it seems like so far it hasn't made a dent in the stock market or it did for a little while and then the stock market just keeps climbing so i think that's the culture that we live in where as long as the stock market's going up most people think things are normal i agree with dave and and i think craig as well where you have some things building beneath the surface you know, even at even with rates are now, it's still quite a bit below the inflation rate, and it's hard to imagine mm-hmm. a, a, a sig- continued significant interest rate hikes to a nine or ten percent level. I don't think they have any intention of going there. Yet, do rates get to three and a half, four percent, and if things start getting a ro- little bit rocky, they just pause, and then we're waiting to see how that shakes out. So, I guess I've short answer uh, after all that I, I see things could drag out longer than expected it doesn't seem like a stable financial situation and in the end governments are still spending a lot of money borrowings going up feds pausing but there's still that elephant in the room that i guess is what drew me into silver initially i'm surprised that you know here after a decade of all this decade plus that we're still sitting here with twenty dollars silver um, but I wonder if perhaps it's the type of thing where you need an overt crash before most mm-hmm. people change their thinking on how these things play out. I think that's entirely possible. And I think people will rotate out of other stuff into silver when that becomes more apparent. I think you've got something there. And it just seems, Craig, like everything can go crazy before that. And you're you're waiting on the other shoe to drop in the precious metals market's not coming. What's your view on that? I mean, we had a bunch of news and we're not seeing the movement of the precious metals. What do you think, Craig, is where do we get to to some sanity? Are we living in a sane world? Are we living in a sane world? What's going on? Well, as long as we're in this current pricing scheme that is held now for 40, 50, 45 years, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's going to be certain things that make the metals, the uh, COMEX futures go up and certain things that make them go, go down. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, we're in this period where you know, there, there's just not a lot of interest in in uh, in buying those futures contracts because the dollar's been soaring. The dollar's gone up, geez, what, 15, 16% in the last year, right? All while the Fed has been job owning higher interest rates and inflation expectations haven't gone up, even though the rate of inflation has gone up. Mm-hmm. And so the computers that buy and sell the futures contracts just haven't 
done much, uh, have, right. have not gotten excited about owning uh, the precious metal, which is all part of, I mean, Dave writes about this a lot. I know is like the commitment of traders report. You know, you got these hedge funds that as of a couple of weeks ago were net short, something like 18,000 silver contracts, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so, you know, from watching the markets that that's eventually going to develop into a squeeze and it did. And we went from 18 to almost 21, but there's been nothing, there's been no catalyst to drive it any further. I, mm -hmm. I'm a little I'm somewhat frustrated with myself at this point because um, I almost feel like I tried to speak something into existence at a faster rate than what my experience should have taught me. And that you know, entering this year, and I wrote about this in my uh, forecast in January, I, you know, you could see the higher rates coming and you figured that first four to six months of the year was going to be tough and that the stock market would probably crash. And it did. I mean, it went down what 20 some odd percent at the, at the peak, but I, and I thought maybe the fed would respond quicker and pivot. Um, kind of like they did in 2018 at, you know, in that fourth quarter 18, when the stock market crashed and, you know, we had that Powell pivot then. And what I forgot about was the, you know, the four years plus leading up to that, you know, we had to kind of wander in the desert. I mean, it was just brutal mm -hmm. uh, with gold between about 1050 and 1250, you know, from 14 through 18, while the fed played these rhetorical games about, Oh yeah. Oh, quantitative tightening. And we're going to let rates normalize and our balance sheets going to normalize. And what they did like $700 billion, they allegedly ran off their balance sheet before the thing finally all broke. And the 10 year note got to three and a quarter and the stock market collapsed. And then you forgot this pivot. And I, I guess what I neglected, and again, this is where I'm a little frustrated myself that I didn't draw on that experience and think about how long of a time that was that they were able to bullshit everybody and before it finally broke. And I, I guess I, I feel guilty and, and foolish that I thought it would be faster this time, but even here they are still playing these rhetorical games. Oh yeah. You know, they run out some, you know, any, any fed goon that sees an open microphone is going to grab it. And they're going to tell you about how they want, you know, the neutral rate is 4% and all this other bullshit. And, and the market continues to kind of let them get away with it, you know, and, and, and nobody's buying gold or anything like that. And they're just buying any dips and crazy, you know, meme stocks and stuff like that. I, at the end of the day, they'll get back to your original question today. And I don't want to go on, you know, forever and monopolize the mic, but um, this is analogous to these other periods. You know, Dave mentioned a shitty economy and the financial crisis. And so what happened? You got QE1 and QE2 and QE3. Uh, and each of those programs were larger in size because the deficit, and the debt, you know, is growing exponentially too. And so the programs have to grow in size. And then what this last one was, what, $4 trillion? So what's the next one going to be? Six? You know, when they turn the printers back on again or more. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, there, there's a mathematical equation involved in this. You know, it's that law of, of uh, compounding interest, you know, and how things grow exponentially at the end. And so there will come a time again where the Fed will revert back to this. And there will come a time again where the next QE program gets turned on. And it's going to be 50% larger than the last one or whatever. And that, that will be the time when even, even in this current pricing scheme, uh, re, you know, rational human beings and hedge fund managers and everybody else are going, yep, got to get some gold. And just like in these previous three or four times when they had to admit what was going on in reverse course, gold's going to soar, whether it's 30% like it did in, in uh, 2010 and 2016 and again in 2019, or whether it's, you know, 50, 60% like it did in 2020. 
it's going to happen again. So coming all the way back around to your initial question, you asked Dave, why would you hold on? Well, because, I mean, I don't know when it's going to start and it's obviously taking longer than I thought, but it's kind of going to happen again. It's not like we're going back to a trillion dollar balance sheet, you know, and, you know, and, and, you know, where we were in pre-financial crisis and this is the new normal and there's a cycle to all this. And, and now since none of us probably sold out, you know, in, in March or again in April, and now we're all just kind of stuck waiting for it to happen again. And in the meantime, it's, that's just frustrating as hell to watch on a daily basis. I, I think we all look at fundamentals and technicals. It's what we do. We're all analysts to, to a degree. And certainly fundamentals and technicals are telling us we expect to see something. But I want to suggest maybe a more humanistic uh, approach to the problem. There's a, a phrase from Arthur Schopenheimer. It says that all truth passes through three stages. First, it's ridiculed. Second, it's violently opposed. And third, is accepted as being self-evident. I suppose if we're just looking at this from a human action perspective, because markets are human-based, even though we have the computers, at the end of the day, the market is still human-based, especially when you're talking about the masses. Yeah. I'm Maybe we're right. in the stage at which it's opposed because people don't want to accept the fact that whatever the system we have now is in its final stages. And so therefore, because that truth is not accepted, people aren't accepting the alternative which is going back to the metals. I suppose that may have something to do with it. Anybody have thoughts on that at all? You made me think of the COVID shots when you talk about <laughs> from whoever that dude is, right? I mean, yeah. you're ridiculed and then violently opposed and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff and then grudging acceptance. But no, I suppose that's a probably a good way to look at it. Rob, I think you're right because there's a degree to which I think people are starting to sense something is off. Mm -hmm. I think people are noticing the inflation i think that has caught the public's attention yet it's like well, well what do we do or where do we go and i think every you know most people around the globe are a little confused by that obviously there's you know the subset of people like us that look at the money printing and to me my introduction was after living through the housing bubble finding that the only people who saw that in advance were all talking about gold and silver austrian economics and the money cycle I don't think most people are looking at it like that. And, you know, there's a debate of whether the Fed has it under control. I think most people think that they do. And perhaps that takes a couple more years than I would imagine. And I, and, and like Craig said, it, there's the degree to which sometimes thing, things seem so wild out there. You assume it's going to happen more quickly yet. I think there's also that other, on that other hand, we're in it every day and seeing these things, whereas it might take a lot longer for other people to come to that same conclusion. And you, you, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I, I suppose we should just kind of be talking over each other anyway, you know, so, <laughs> so we're all kind of as a round table, right? Go I'm, I'm, I'm remember, I, it was a week ago, maybe a week ago today, uh, I had lunch with my 91 year old uh, godmother aunt, right? 91, sharp as hell. I mean, very, she's not your normal 91 year old. She'll cut her grass, all that kind of stuff. And I was with my brother and my sister and we're all having lunch and I'm just talking to my aunt. I hadn't seen her in a year probably. And we're talking, she goes, oh yeah, this, this uh, inflation in my stock market, my, you know, I gotta get the stock market back up. And that kind of started the conversation. And without me even bringing it up, she said, is it? I thought the dollar was backed by gold. Now, wow. she is a smart lady. Okay. She's not like, you know, somebody that hadn't been paying attention for the last 50 years. 
she goes, but it's not, is it? And I said, uh, sorry, uh, it, it hasn't been for 50 years. It was 1971. And she goes, so, so really, the dollar really isn't backed by anything? <laughs> so, I mean, we kind of, I know we, the four of us sitting here, we don't, we know this is true. We know that 99.8% mm -hmm. of the people in the world don't understand how the monetary system operates because they don't, one, they don't care. They're not smart enough or just it's not on their radar. They got too many other things they're worried about. But we kind of, I still kind of feel like we kind of take for granted that everybody that we know knows this, mm -hmm. right? And so that, that's that got to be kind of a part of it too. I mean, Chris, when what Chris was saying is what got me thinking about retelling this story because um you sense we know how effed up everything is right and we know all the stuff because this is what we do this is you know our passion and what we do for a living but I, I, we just can't take for granted the size and the scope of the population that has no freaking idea uh and I, that has something to do with it too i Will think we, there's even some people that have an idea, but I remember uh, this was back before I left Wall Street, ran into someone on the train home that I'd gone to college with, and we were talking about gold and silver. And he kind of looked at me like, yeah, I guess so, although I just hope it's going to be okay. And things were good then. And it's like, I can understand that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I guess you could say we've been sitting here worrying about something for 10 years. Uh, but again, I, I look back similar to how people were looking at housing prior to the bubble. I mean, yeah. you know, housing's going up and people are making money and understandably. And that's why I wonder if it takes really uh, an undressing of the markets before that really changes in a bigger way. Yeah. Reach that point of critical mass. I, I throw something in here. I think <clears throat> the people that most people think are responsible for the economy, and, and people say the president's responsible. Obviously, no, the president doesn't. You know, especially this one. <laughs> you know, if people look at the president. They look at the Fed president. They, I think, people, and it kind of goes back to that that hero genre. People are looking for one person to give them answers. You know, they're looking for Batman. They're looking for Superman. They're looking for Captain Marvel. Yeah, they're looking for Zeus. And in reality, some of those people in, in those positions around the world aren't necessarily providing the full truth, whether they know it or not. And I think that if you're the average person is a go lucky person believes in America, you know, uh, July 4th parades and all that good stuff, you're believing what the powers of be tell you and the Fed telling y'all we're okay. We got it under control. And the secretary of treasury is saying it's okay. And the mainstream media is saying, Oh, we're going to bounce back. It's okay. They bring on all their experts and say, we're going to bounce back. And it's like a big group think episode. Yeah. What does that break, Dave? When do you think, in your experience, when does this kind of stuff change? Like, is there going to be a catalyst, or are people just going to wake up one day and say, "Okay, wait, this is all fake"? You know, we're living in in the Truman Show. <clears throat> well, I mean, there's actually a lot to unpack there because I think I think part of the problem is, and the reason why these guys can get away with what they get away with for as long as they do is is it's 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 just natural for humans to use denial as a defense mechanism and to have hope, especially if you have kids. I mean, and if you throw in the towel and say, okay, I got to buy gold to protect myself. You know, the reason you're doing that is because you see bad things coming down the road and you don't want to sit there and consider that possibility for your kids. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think there's in part that, um, 
I got to tell you, I, I think, I mean, you know, I think we all agree that most of what comes out of the Fed heads mouths is blowing smoke up our ass. But I, I got to tell you, the fact that across the board on the FOMC committee, they are all resolute about saying, you know, we're going to keep hiking rates until the rate of inflation gets down to 2% on a sustained basis. So to me, again, unless they're blowing smoke, to me, we're not going to see a pivot in November because it's going to take longer than that for for um, the, the well, and I mean, the phony rate of inflation is measured by the government to come down. So, um, and I don't know if we're going to see the, the masses pile into physical gold and silver. You know, most of them aren't even aware that it's an option. You know, or they'll or their investment advisor will put them into GLD. Yeah, you got gold. You got you know a yeah. thousand shares of GLD or whatever. Yeah. That's not that's not the same thing. So, um, Wait. but it's not at that point where where people you know there's going to be a certain percentage of people that realize that you know the Fed is full of shit, the government's full of shit, we're in a lot of trouble. Hmm. And it won't take a, a large percentage. I mean, look at the French Revolution. It was like, what, one to 2% of the French population is, is what was involved in that. They were able to overthrow the government. So, you know, if you had even just 5% of the populace say, okay, I got to start buying, I got to start converting as much as I can into physical gold and silver, you're going to see an upward explosion in the price. And the and the paper they won't be able to control it with the paper market, right? You no, know, and that's that's what we saw. I mean, we 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 saw that in a lesser scale um, between two thousand five and two thousand six, and then you know mid two thousand six, and then again from the fall of two thousand eight until essentially the fall of two thousand eleven. You know, and that that wasn't just the the futures. And short covering that drove the price higher. That there was a lot of physical demand back then, and there was shortages of silver eagles. I'm sure, Craig, you probably yeah. remember that. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and we're gonna see that again. So, what do you think? I, Dave? I think it could happen within the next year, if not sooner. But what do you think, Dave? I um, am, as we're recording this, we just had the July FOMC minutes come out about an hour ago. Mm -hmm. um it, it confirms a lot of what yeah whatever but when the metals took off after that three weeks ago it was when in in like 10 seconds in powell's press conference and he said two things he talked mentioned the data dependency that you know we don't have a set plan now we're going to be data dependent but he also said in the past tense he said we have moved to the neutral rate or expeditiously to the neutral rate he didn't say we are moving toward it he said we have moved now maybe you know he's an old guy maybe he's fucked up and he just spoke you know he used the past tense and he didn't mean to but that's what he said and that's to me that was the first sign of that that pivot and and i dave i guess my question what do you think of this this idea that i have you know is that you know the, the fed pivoted in 18 after four years of their nonsense uh and the stock market had fallen 20 percent it was dumping into christmas in 2018 and they had that well-documented meeting of the working group on financial markets on christmas eve and then the dow on the 26th after being closed for christmas day went up a thousand points yeah. but the pivot had been made right and that's why the stock market 
reacted. Now, in, going into 19, you still had, you know, Jan Hotsius at Goldman Sachs and the rest talking about 5% on the 10-year treasury, and they're all dead wrong. We never got there. And the Fed has still been playing some rhetorical games, but it took six months from that actual first hint of a pivot to then the actual policy change. Can you see that? Kind of, a, and again, it's going to be kind of economic data and all that kind of stuff. But if this was the first hint of pivot in July, you know, that put us on a pace for something like January or February uh, in the first quarter. And that's kind of what the euro dollar market is indicating as well, you know, is that the first rate cut and if Fed funds futures are showing a first rate cut, maybe in the first quarter. I mean, those dots kind of connect because if, I mean, if, if, if I'm seeing that correctly, then there's a trade here. You know, we might sit here and, you know, pull our hair out and, and have, you know, kind of frustrating banging back and forth in a range, you know, and through the end of the year. But then, man, if, if they, if that pivot is actually coming, then I would think that sets us up, you know, for a pretty good first half of 23. I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense of it all. You know, you try to connect the dots. What do you think? I mean, I think it depends on how serious they are about attacking inflation. I mean, you haven't had, you haven't really had a, any reduction in the Fed's balance sheet yet, right? I, I mean, it's right, come down right. 80 billion since the peak. I mean, it's, it's not meaningful. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, that, when he said, you know, two and a half percent was the neutral rate, that was perplexing. I don't, yeah. I don't know if he was, I don't know if that was scripted and he was reading it off the teleprompter or if he was going I, I ad hoc. I was because watching him. It was in response I don't, to I don't understand how, you know, I mean, even if you just use the phony government inflation rate of, you know. Paul, Dave, you're not questioning our government again, are you? It, Come on, it's Dave. just it's a conspiracy year, theory. year over year, right? <laughs> so, I mean, the neutral interest rate would be 8%, right? Right. Because that then then you don't have uh, negative real rates. Right. So, um, but that's what he said. I watched him. I was sitting. I, I, I saw I, it, and I yeah. had to watch it a few times. And I, I was just, yeah. I was, I don't understand what he meant by that. I don't think anyone does, and no one asked him about it. No, there are no follow-up. I mean, you know, no excuse me. Uh, uh, hey, Jerome, what do you mean by the neutral rate when you say two and a half percent Fed yeah. funds rate is neutral? Because I know the rate of inflation is running, you know, at the time it was 9%, yeah. the way the government measures yeah. it. So, yep. so, you know, and that, see, that's, that's where these mark, again, it gets back to how artificial the paper markets are. Mm -hmm.